Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, you guys, I hope you're doing okay. Is that true? Are you doing okay? Awesome, good, thank you. Um, I could almost hear the online people better than those in the room. So, uh, but if you are online, we're super thankful. You're a part of the family too. And uh, my daughter, Leilani, went to camp this last week. She's now homesick watching online. So, Leilani, I love you. I'll be back in just a minute to give you a hug, okay? Get better. Um, We're in this series called Experiencing God, and we're taking a summer where we're just trying to process what is the will of God, and how can we get better at doing the will of God? Because that's where we really experience God the best, is when we're partnered up with him in his work, and and doing what he's doing. And I just got to tell you, kind of before we we dive in... uh, it's been one of those weeks where the goodness of, of Jesus has, has been so like crystal clear to me. There's times, you guys, where Jesus seems really distant and more of a concept and an idea than really my best friend and my savior and my rescuer. And I'm just being really honest. I, I'm in a spot this week where I'm just kind of giving a little bit of a testimony here to Jesus being really close, really good, really real to me. When I look back over my journey, like that's been the case my whole life, you guys. That the, the, the love of God, like displayed through Jesus, has been so crystal clear to me. He's loved me better than anybody else, more than anybody else, a consistency more than anybody else. It's a love that just doesn't run out. His patience with me over all these years has been so thick. His mercy, his grace. For those of you who don't have a relationship with him, like I, I, I get like how weird that all sounds. Those of you that already have a relationship with him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But his goodness has been so rich even just this week, helping me through stuff, processing stuff that I don't think I'd be able to process otherwise. He's been a source of truth to me. I look back to like late high school, mid high school when I really stepped into a relationship with Jesus and he was the source, Jesus was, of a whole lot of answers that I had. He's the source of answers about like where did all this universe come from? Uh, How did we get here? He's the answers to me about who I am In moments of like deep despair and anxiety or stress or brokenness or sadness or depression or whatever, like he just kept pulling me back, defining really who he made me to be. He gave me so many answers about what my purpose is in life. And I hope your like experience of Jesus is that same way, that you're just kind of overwhelmed with his love and his grace and that he has provided a whole lot of answers for you. If you don't know Jesus, then I'm hoping and praying that 
you'd ask good questions, you'd get to know him because there's so much more than meets the eye and he's got so much for you. And then the reality is that like what I'm experiencing this week is that reminder, like he's actually with me. He's alive and well. He's not dead in a tomb somewhere, but he's risen. He's with me. And he's happy to walk with me. He's happy to walk with you. And he proved that he was trustworthy when he went to the cross 2,000 years ago, died on it, and then rose from the grave a couple of days later. That he proved that he was God. He proved he had the ability to make dead things live and That's why he's able to be with me here and with you here. God's able to do something that no one or no thing can do for you. And in light of like all Jesus is, all I'm saying is this, like any changes that need to be made in my life, any adjustments I need to make in my life, like they're totally worth it. In light of who God is and all he's done, any changes, any adjustments, I'm happy to do it. Now, the changes and adjustments that God calls you to or me to aren't always easy, are they? But I can guarantee you that they're worth it. Because what God's been up to in my friends' lives, it's, it's the same sort of thing. I've got this friend named Brian Sumner. We've been friends for a really long time. This is a picture of Brian. Brian uh, was a professional skateboarder for 20 years. He rode for Tony Hawk's team, and on the old video game, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Brian was actually one of the guys you could be on Tony Hawk Pro Pro Skater the first two two games. And phenomenal skater, we're about the same age, so he hung up the professional skating thing a little while ago, but grew up in Liverpool, England. By the time he was 15 years old, he had been signed and sponsored and had everything that you could possibly want from money to fame to relationship you you name it Brian had it he got married pretty early met a girl named Tracy and then they had a kid neither of them had any faith base they didn't have any relationship with God through Jesus and over the first 6 months or so of their marriage i mean it was just rough. Just lots of fighting, lots of arguing, lots of anger, lots of outbursts, and that can be true even in Christian homes. We know that, but there was nothing for them to go back to or process through other than their own thoughts or other people's opinions or whatever, and stuff got so bad that they got divorced within a year. Then things got worse for Brian. He's still a professional skater. He's got a kid. Now he's got, gone through a divorce And he was super angry. Anger gave way to anxiety. Anxiety gave way to depression. Depression gave way to suicidal thoughts. He was just kind of spiraling out of control. He got into some trouble, even legally. And as a result, he had to do some community service. Now, he got to pick where he did his community service. And so he picked a Christian thrift store. That was one of the options. And he picked the Christian thrift store to work in because he thought it would be the easiest place with the nicest people where he could be the most lazy and serve his time and then get out of there. But then God had other plans. 
Because it turns out the people there were incredibly loving. They looked and sounded and acted a whole lot like Jesus would. And they just went to town loving Brian. And they shared the gospel with him. Well, that prompted a whole bunch of questions because he wasn't familiar with it. And that started several months, several months where he was trying to examine, is there a God? Is there not a God? Did the universe start with Big Bang or was there a creator? If there is a God, has he spoken to us? If so, how would we know? Of all these other worldviews, of all these other religions, how do we know the difference? What are these all about? And over months, he was challenging all these different faiths, including Christianity, including the Bible. And then that same Jesus like met him. That same Jesus transformed his heart and rescued Brian. And Brian puts it this way. Brian said, I was going to God to fix my life while he was, through his word, confronting the issue of sin, the cursed world we live in, and the reason he sent his son Jesus in the first place. He said, this good news was new to me. One night at home in my office, while divorced from Tracy, crying out to God, he opened my eyes, awakened my heart, and I experienced his love and forgiveness exactly as the Bible declares. I promised to get baptized, be used however God saw fit, and even if he led, remarry my ex-wife. Listen, listen. Tracy came to faith three weeks later. They were soon remarried, going on to have two more children. That was over 20 years ago. Well, he continued on that skating career, but now it wasn't just about skating. It was about skating and then bringing Jesus the glory for everything that he had done in rescuing him. Brian made massive adjustments to his life, vocationally, and otherwise. He made adjustments relationally. He made adjustments with regard to his anger. He made all sorts of adjustments in light of who Jesus was. It was like, this is totally worth it. God, you're everything to me, so of course I'm going to make adjustments. So of course I'm going to change. And God restored his marriage, blessed him with kids. His oldest, Dakota now, is married himself. And Brian travels around and shares his story I shared Jesus with more people than I could possibly imagine or count. This is a picture of Brian today with his family. And, and watching what God has done in and through them and then watching Brian just say, okay, Lord, you're real, you're true, and you're at work. How could I not make the adjustments necessary? I'm all in. See, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, like he loves you, every single one of you in here, whether you have a relationship with him or not, he loves you just as you are because he made you. You're not the product of just oozing out of the mud and DNA finding its way. But there is a creator that fashioned this whole universe and then he made you and he made you in his image and then he gave you the freedom to choose whether you're going to follow him or not because he doesn't want you to be a robot. 
And so you can choose to not walk with him or to walk with him. And in that freedom, most of us choose not to. In fact, all of us do at the beginning. We choose to go our own way, and that sin, that disobedience, puts a big gap between us and Jesus. And that's why Jesus came on the cross to fill the gap, to take care of the sin that was separating us from God and make a way for us to have our relationship with God's story. We can join him in his work. That's what he's been doing for centuries. And he's still doing it. So how could I not make some adjustments in my life? I want to talk about making adjustments in your life. When God speaks up and calls you to something or instructs a certain way, then we just make adjustments. That's what we do. That's what the people in the scriptures did. You read the Old Testament. You read the New Testament. Noah you know, the guy that built the ark. God comes and said, a flood's coming. I need you to build a tremendous boat. It's going to take you decades to do it, but I need you to build a boat. Do you think that it took some adjustments in Noah's day-to-day to now dedicate decades to build a tremendous boat? Yeah. A guy named Abram later had his name changed to Abraham, gets word from God that I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless the world through you and the people that come from you. But you got to get up and go, literally, physically move and go. Where am I going to go? I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. And he had to make some adjustments in his life. Moses, God speaks to Moses and says, I know you're 80 years old. But I'm calling you to go back to the land of your oppressors. I'm calling you to go back to Egypt to rescue my people who are in slavery in Egypt. You're going to go toe-to-toe with the strongest ruler in the world at that day and age. You think Moses had to make some adjustments in his life at 80 years after 40 years being in the wilderness as a lowly shepherd? And now he's going to go back to the place that was cruel and rough. And be used by God? Yeah, he had to make some adjustments. David had to make some adjustments, king in the Old Testament, from being a shepherd and a musician to being a leader of God's people. He had to make some adjustments. Esther had to make some adjustments. And she's put in a position of influence in this woman named Esther. She had to make some adjustments to speak up on behalf of some people, her people, God's people that needed some help. And she spoke up. The disciples, they had to make some adjustments. Jesus comes into their world, and many of them had to leave vocations or money and leave it all behind to come and follow Jesus. They had to make some adjustments. That's what you do. Paul had to make some adjustments. The apostle of the New Testament, he had to walk away from what it was, the belief systems and the religious system that he'd been operating under, make adjustments to take the good news of Jesus to all people, not just the Jews. Man, adjustments is what we do. Jesus said it powerfully, clearly in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 in your Bible. He said, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Easier said than done, right? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will 
save it. Similar echo comes in Galatians chapter 2. You should memorize this verse. Verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, what is inherent to being a follower of Jesus is letting go of control. When you say, yes, Jesus, I'm following you. Yes, Jesus, I I believe in you. It's not easy, you guys. It's not just this thing like, oh, I want Jesus in my life to make my life a little bit better. But like, this is a really big step. It's saying, Jesus, the world doesn't have anything to offer me. Uh, My intellect doesn't have anything. There's no amount of good that's just going to make me a good person. It's only who you are that's made the difference. So, yes, Lord, I believe you're true. And in light of that, Whatever you need to do, a change in me, wherever I need to go, whatever adjustments you need to make, I'll do it. I'm going to let go of the steering wheel. I'm going to get out of the driver's seat. I'm going to ride shotgun. Jesus, why don't you sit in the driver's seat? I want your hands on the steering wheel of my life. And now, any course corrections or adjustments shouldn't be a battle where you're sitting in the passenger seat trying to steer from over there because you've put Jesus in the driver's seat. Now, i got to be honest. I did that a long time ago. Invited Jesus to rescue me, save me, cleanse me, heal me, love me, all of that, and he did, and he's continuing to. I still wake up often on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday, sometimes on a Sunday morning, and I want to drive. I still want to be in control. But I found I don't go or move or make the adjustments as well when I'm in control. But I remember, oh, you're Lord, in light of who you are, what business do I have driving my life? I didn't make me. I didn't rescue me. Jesus, you did, so let me move over to shotgun. Here are the keys again. You drive. You take me where you want to go. Make whatever adjustments you want to make. But I get nervous for all of us sometimes that we might miss out on experiencing God. Because there's a lot of people, maybe some of you could relate to this. You've never, like, experienced God. You've never tasted and seen that God's good. And so it's just a concept. It's a theory there's even Christians that I get concerned that we've never really like experienced him. But we can. But I get nervous that we'll miss out on experiencing God when we discover that there are some adjustments that need to be made in order to experience God, and we say no. How good would relationships be in your life, like your marriage or friendships be? if you didn't make any adjustments in your life to be a better spouse or a better friend. Oh, I want all the benefits of marriage, all the benefits of friendship, but I don't want to hang out, I don't want to talk, I don't want to rearrange my calendar, I don't want to uh, text, I don't want to have a phone call, I don't want to do coffee. You'd have the worst sort of marriage or friendship if you don't make any sort of adjustments. And it's very similar, like God's going to still pursue, even when you're like, forget you, Thankfully, God still pursues, God still loves. But 
on our end, if we're just stiff-arming God the whole time, then we might miss out because we're not making the adjustments to join God in his will. That is where we best experience him when we're walking with him, when we're doing his will. Most of us, like, our default is just to, like, get comfortable and kind of do nothing, you know? At least for me. It's easy for us just to want to stay put. I don't want to make adjustments. I don't want to go. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to move. I just want to stay put. Okay, that's fine. Sometimes God calls me and you to stay put right where you're at, to bloom and blossom where you're planted. I get that. Sometimes he calls you to stay put. But that's different when God calls you to stay put. That's different than being immovable. That's different than being stubborn. That's different than being stiff-necked and stiff-arming God. But if we stay seated, if we're too stubborn for too long, it gets harder to move. I'm 49 years old now. If I sit for longer than 12 minutes in the same position, when I go to stand up, something hurts, something sore, and I'm only 49. I can't imagine those of you at 89. My goodness, how did you even get here today? <laughs> it's phenomenal, but that's kind of the principle. The longer that we just kind of lounge, the more solidified we get. I, I've got this real heart for Cambodia. I've got to go a number of times, grew up in Long Beach, California, that has the highest Cambodian population in the world outside of Cambodia itself. So all my friends growing up, a ton of Cambodian friends, and I think that's where some of the heart for it started, but since getting to visit, even more so. And I got to tell you, it's a beautiful country, beautiful people, but they have these ancient temples, and many of them are now ruins thousands of years old. And they also have what are called banyan trees. And banyan trees are beautiful and expansive and really strong. And they bear fruit that's almost like a fig. They drop the figs. And then now the figs are on the ground. Birds come and eat the figs that have the seeds of the banyan tree in the fruit. Then the birds fly wherever they want to fly. And then the birds go to the bathroom wherever they want to go to the bathroom. And the bathroom has the seeds of the fruit that they've eaten in it. Now, it lands. Wherever that seed lands, it's going to start a banyan tree, including on top of ancient ruins. Big stones that are broken apart, kind of cracked little crevices. I got to go to one in northern Cambodia, and this is, this is where we went. Take a look. This is a temple called Tapram. And it's in northern Cambodia. It's appeared in a couple different movies. It looks like a movie set, but that's a real location. And that tree growing over it is a real tree. But at some point, a bird flew over, and there landed the seed, and there grew the banyan tree. And now the temple that was already pretty solid in the first place is completely immovable. It's now covered, and there's a tremendous weight uh, over it. It's not going anywhere. Now, it's one thing for an ancient temple to be stuck, to be immovable, because the temple was never going to move anywhere on its own in the first place. But you and I, 
people of God, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then the scripture tells us that we are the temple of God. That the spirit of God doesn't reside in a building anymore. The temple is you and me. And yet we're called to be mobile temples. We're called to move and we're called to to go. And as we go, then we are bringing the spirit of God, the ethic of how Jesus operates, like wherever we are going. But I get it. If we just stay planted and then have life poop on us, and then the weight of all that we've been, maybe stuff that you've done, maybe stuff that's been done to you can just like get you stuck. I totally get that. But again, this is back to Jesus where he comes and he, he like comes with his power and frees us from all the addictions and temptations and stuff that's weighing us down, stuff we've done, the hurts that have been done to us. He can bring help and hope for us in the midst of those so that we can move. This go principle is all throughout Scripture. It's why the Great Commission has go as the premise. Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 28, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Those are the words of Jesus. Go. As you are going, assuming that like we are moving, like as you're going to work and as you're hanging out with friends and as you're at school or as you're in the coffee shop or as you're in the neighborhood, as we go, as we are going, as we're moving, as we're making adjustments, that, that's the premise of us as people. We, we go. We make adjustments, usually based around what's valuable to us. Some of you, you might get the word from God, go. And it might be a literal go for you. Maybe he's asking you to move. Maybe he's asking you to go to Avon or go to Carmel. Others of you, it may not be physically a move. It might be like course corrections, adjustments in your life. I need to do less of this or more of that. I need to put an end to this and begin that. But going, making adjustments, that's the norm. I guarantee you, you're going to have to make adjustments in your life, especially if you say, yes, God, I I want to follow you. You're going to have to make adjustments to your calendar. You might have to make adjustments to your relationships. You might have to make adjustments to your commitments. You might make adjustments to your behavior. You might have to make adjustments to your long-held belief systems that you come to find are kind of faulty and maybe filled with lies. You're going to make adjustments because it's worth it to walk with God and follow God, to experience God. It's worth it. And so we're here. We're back to the hula hoop. If you haven't been around, you don't know why the hula hoop's here. And for my next trick, I'm going to light it on fire, and chihuahuas are going to come jumping through the... No, we're not going to do that. But what we've been saying with the hula hoop for the last few weeks is this. It's just kind of a picture, just a little illustration, that inside the hula hoop represents the general will of God. God has a will, and and he's communicated that to us, and then given us the freedom to follow or not. But in here is the general will of God. Now, outside of here, I want to be clear, 
God is still at work out and in. God's in control. He's Lord. He's sovereign over everything that's outside and inside here. But what's inside here is the will of God. What's inside there is also where we best experience God. And for those of you that have maybe never tasted and seen like how good God is, it's because you've never stepped in to his will. But there's his will. If I find myself over here and then I discover that his will is over there, what do I need to do? I need to make adjustments and move. Even with my long monkey arms, I cannot reach. I can't reach it unless I take a step. And once we discover where God's will is, then we are called then to make those adjustments. We might only be able to take one step at a time. And when we do, we will be inching closer and closer to what he wants. Let's say that he's put on your heart to process moving to the Avon campus or whatever. Okay, just take a step. You don't need to decide that you're going to go right now. Just go visit. Go see what God's up to over there. And that's a step. Maybe you're supposed to just care for or love like a friend around you better than you are. Well, just... Write him a note or shoot him a text. Just start moving in that general direction. And then the more you'll get, finally, you'll be right there in the center. You've made all the adjustments and then you'll be partnered with him. It'll be crystal clear and you'll be experiencing him in huge ways once those adjustments are made. As we wrap this up, I just want to have a conversation about adjusting just for a moment because there's a couple things that are tough with adjusting, and there's a couple of things that are a real blessing. The first is adjusting can be tough because it requires changing. Adjusting is tough because it requires changing, and most of us don't like to change. Do you remember the rich young ruler, the story of the rich young ruler interacting with Jesus this young kid who's got a whole lot of money and a whole lot of power and a whole lot of influence comes up to Jesus and asks, hey, what do I got to do to like, have eternal life? And then they have a conversation about the Ten Commandments. And the kid says, yeah, I've done all that. And Jesus kind of understands, okay, there's probably more going on in this kid's heart. I'm going to zero in a little bit more. Jesus is really good at discerning. Uh, what each of us need. And in this particular case, what this young man needed was a whole different level of conversation. And so Jesus says, here's what you need to do. You need to sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Oof. And then the kid, scripture records, that he turned around and walked away sad, grieving. Why? Because his wealth had more value to him than following God. That was it. So he, he made that choice. You and I can make those choices. But I'll tell you, if it's anything that the world has to offer, one, that stuff's going to come to an end someday, and then where will you be? But in, in the meantime, like, do you ever stop and just weigh the things in your life? You know, like those balancing scales? And I'll tell you, if, if making changes in your life 
is, is so unattractive that it's got this huge weight to it. You'll never make any changes or adjustments in your life if it means following God. Then there the scales go. If following him is over here and making changes over here, okay, well, you've, you've made your choice. And unfortunately, it's not based on truth. It's just based on where your heart happens to be. Oh, I like doing this too much to give it up. I, I like operating this way enough to change or make adjustments. And the scales are tipped all in favor of your stuff or your people or your way of operating. God loves you just the same if that's where you're at, but you're missing out because he's got some adjustments that he'd call you to. But I get that it's tough because none of us like to change. Two, adjustment doesn't always yield immediate success. That's the next thing. This is a challenge with adjusting because sometimes you make adjustments. Okay, God wants me to do this. And you make those adjustments and then you don't get immediate success or good stuff doesn't immediately start happening. How many of you ever um, felt like God was leading you a certain direction and you obeyed and then stuff got worse? Be honest. There's one honest person in this whole room right here. No, it's happened to me multiple times. Why? It's not because God's deficient. It's because sometimes the timing of what God is going to do is weeks, months, or even years out. Yeah, but I partnered with you today, God. I made the adjustments today, so I was expecting the full scope of all the blessings that you had for me on the same day, within the same minute, preferably. Noah, when he's building that boat, let's say 20 years into building the boat, and there hasn't been one drop of rain yet. <laughs> Can you imagine how frustrating? You think he had any moment questioning, did I hear correctly on this? I think he said a boat. And I think it was supposed to be big. You only need a big boat if there's lots of water and we're in the desert and it's never rained before. Hmm. Moses, I went back to Pharaoh just like God told me to. And now, Pharaoh didn't let us go the first time around. Instead, Pharaoh dug his heels in and made things worse on the people of God and the Egyptians. Ten times. It's because the success doesn't always come. And so when he calls us to make adjustments, wait. Wait. Because it's still worth it if you've moved in his direction. And then the two good things when it comes to adjusting, there's more than two, but here's the big one. Adjusting allows you to experience an abundance of God's power and goodness. When you make adjustments in your life to join God in his will, you will experience an abundance of power and goodness. And if I could gift you with anything, if I could give myself with anything, it would be that you would have an abundance of the goodness of God, like all over you. So much so you'd never doubt God again. That his power would be in such abundance that you'd never doubt how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he's able to provide for you. I wish I could gift that to everybody. He can. 
And when we make these adjustments, it'll come in a different timing, in a different way than maybe you experienced or you were looking for, but that power and that experience will come. It will. That goodness will come. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, through your power that's at work within us, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. You can't even comprehend what God is capable of. When you take these steps of adjustment and find yourself in his will, all bets are off the miracles he can do in you and through you. I've got friends Both my youth pastors way back in high school went on to become missionaries in foreign countries. One named Eddie went to Mexico and another named Phil went to Ecuador. My youth pastor Eddie in Mexico went to go visit Phil in Ecuador. And Phil took him to Quito, Ecuador's city dump. I got to visit it a little bit later. But when Eddie showed up, he was not sure why Phil was taking him to the dump. The city dump of of Quito is enormous. The trash piled up is higher than this building and more expansive. And they pull into the dump, and Eddie's looking at Phil and says, what are we doing here? Phil shut the engine off, and he said, "Just, just wait just a second. They'd shut the engine off. About 30 seconds goes by. And all of a sudden, trash starts to fall over and open. And in this mountain of trash, hundreds of people start emerging from the garbage heap because that's where these people live. The poorest of the poor, the least of these. You guys, we don't have any clue in this day and age, in this country, what some people are experiencing in other places. And praise be to God, some people said, yes, Lord, I'll get up and move to go help people like that in the name of Jesus. People came out to the car with their babies and they went up to Eddie and they were trying to get Eddie to take their children because they believed wholeheartedly, and they were right, that these babies would have a better chance surviving in the hands of an American or a missionary than growing up in the trash heap in Quito, Ecuador. They don't even name their kids until after they turn one year old, because most of them don't make it that long. Eddie went back with Phil every day that week just to minister to those people just to love those people. And at the end of that week, one of the moms came up with her infant and said, we've named our baby Eddie after you. Because if if God loves us enough that he would have sent you just to care for us, then we've got confidence he'll care for our little baby too. Enough that we've gave him a name. You guys, the goodness of God is through people like Phil and Eddie who said, I'll make adjustments on my family. 
to move to these third world places so that they can have a front row seat to the goodness and the power of God. Now, I don't like getting dirty. I don't like going without food. I don't like being uncomfortable. But if I had to go to far off places or tough places and be uncomfortable and sweaty and hungry so that Jesus could show up in those places, the ministry of God could continue, the kingdom of God could expand, and so that I could experience God, the power of God, it's worth it. It's worth it. The last thing I just want to touch base on, a reminder, is adjusting is made possible by God. All the changes you need to make and then sustaining you while you've made those adjustments, that's all made possible by God. So adjust, make the changes, and then just trust him. Just rest in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, it's God who's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's God who works in you. Philippians 2 says, to will and to act. It's not just us deciding or gritting our teeth. It's we're in the passenger seat, God's driving, and we're just allowing God just to, we're not fighting him on everything. We're saying, okay, Lord, if these are the changes, then I'm just going to take the step today, yes, Lord, and then yes, Lord, and then yes, Lord, and then yeah, today, and then, oh, this was a bad week, I slipped back, and he's gracious and patient. And then yes, Lord, and then yes, Lord, I'll make these adjustments. And it's him that's going to get you through. It's him that's going to allow that. And maybe he will call you overseas. Maybe he will call you to somewhere crazy. Maybe he will call you to something hard. Maybe he'll just call you to move cross town. Maybe he'll call you to go next door. Maybe he'll call you to give up something. Or love people. The way that Jesus loves you, any of those adjustments are totally worth it. When God speaks. You know, many of you have heard the beautiful, exciting phrase, hey, guess what? We're having a baby. And if you've not heard those words yet, someday some, some of you might. And if you don't, you could just imagine all the adjustments that would be made when those words, hey, a baby's coming. We're having a baby. There's lots of adjustments that need to come when a baby's coming, right? Here, here's, here's a handful of them. There are some physical adjustments Mostly on the mom's part. Dads, we don't have physical adjustments that come with the pregnancy. We got it easy. It's the women that do all the heavy lifting and the hard work and labor on that one. Praise you. Thank God for you. We love you. We applaud you. You're pretty amazing. Um, we might gain some sympathy weight just to let you know we're there, but there's some physical adjustments that take place when a baby's coming. There are some uh, environmental adjustments. Uh, you got to clean out a room. You got to build a new room. You got to move to a bigger place to make room for the baby. There's some uh, calendar adjustments. 
because now you're going to have midnight wake-up calls. And so how do we adjust things on the schedule and on the calendar in light of the fact that we're going to be tired all the time? There's a baby coming, so there's going to be some emotional adjustments. How do I increase my capacity to love and care for this little person? There's going to be some relational adjustments between your friends or your spouse because now there's this human being that you are responsible for right there with you. And so how does that change relationally the time that you have, the intimacy you have with the friends or, or family members or your spouse? There's financial adjustments. We've got to save for the baby. We've got to stop spending over here so that we'll have money for the baby. All these adjustments. But I guarantee you, when you hear the word, a baby's coming, you go, any adjustment's totally worth it. Now, yeah, I get it. There's some of you in here that have been raised where parents and families communicated that there was no adjustment that needed to be made, and that's not God's plan, and that's not God's will. That's outside the who. The will of God is that when a baby comes into our life, we're like, amen, right on. What a blessing, what a gift. Any adjustment that I need to make for the sake of my kid, I'm going to make. Why? Because they're worth it. You are worth it. What if we began to view the activity in the kingdom of God, partnering with God in the will of God, the same way we view we're having a baby? Oh, I get to partner with you. I get to do your will and experience you there. All right, whatever adjustments need to be made in my calendar or my finances or my time or my relationships, I'll make those adjustments. And then question, what might God want to birth through you or nurture up from you? What dream, what desire about gifting or what your life could be like? Could he fan into flame? from him and he's speaking to you and all you got to do is take the steps what he, could he do through you as you make those adjustments to join him you'll experience him and then together by God's grace we'll see his miraculous work done his kingdom to continue to expand because rather than staying put and immovable to say, however you need to be adjust, I will. I will. I need to grab you after service because I have a book for you that for months I've been wanting to give to you. Thank you. And so gracious Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you, God, that you do speak to us, that you do have a will and a desire for us. Thank you for helping us make changes and adjustments. It's never, ever easy. So God, we, um, we ask those for those that are maybe wrestling through something right now about how they're going to say no to this or let go of that. Would you help them? Would you make it crystal clear? Give them the will to act the will to make adjustments and changes. 
those of you that are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're saying today, that's the adjustment, that's the change I need to make. And here's all you need to do. You just right where you're at, you just have a conversation with the Lord right now. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine and he's always going to love you. It's never, ever gonna go away. But he sent his Jesus to come after you and rescue you, to answer some questions about who you are your life purpose and meaning. He also came to free you from the banyan tree of sin that you could begin to hear his voice and experience him. It just first comes by saying, Lord, please forgive me for missing you, going my own direction, sinning against you. Thank you for loving me anyway. Today, I want to sit in the driver's seat. I want to get out of the driver's seat. I want you to sit in it handing over the keys of my life to you and you drive and then day to day whatever adjustments we need to make we'll make them Father we just thank you so much for your love for us in Jesus name we pray Amen, love you guys Well if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.